like it would Absolutely. be insane. No, you said it. I mean, they they are that can happen. You know, I I don't I think you're right on. You know, it's just how it how the board falls. You know, on draft day. I just want to tell you, wide receiver Cincinnati Bengals. Y'all looking for a football podcast to check out? You gotta go get Big Mouth Small Words Sport Talk. You gotta go in there so listen to it. Big Mouth Small Words Sports Talk. We back, baby. Another episode. Let's go. Oh, let's go indeed. Welcome once again to the most must hear podcast. Big mouth, small words. Those fights were so good. <laughs> they, my voice is still in pain. I'm hurting right now. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's days later. It doesn't matter. It was unfreaking believable. We wanted sports and we got sports. It was so Freaking awesome. So I'm going to recap really quick what happened. I'm sure most of you already know. Um, Cowboy Cerrone versus Pettis started it off. What was the main event of the prelims? But I'm going to go over my UFC 249 $100 MMA giveaway, which no one won, which was upsetting. But I'm going to get to that. I'm going to let you guys know what I'm going to do with that money. So Donald Cowboy Cerrone goes against Anthony Pettis. They exchanged on the feet. It was pretty similar. It was pretty equal, I would say. Cowboy got a couple takedowns. I really thought Cowboy won the fight. I think they gave Pettis the decision because at one point he had gotten an eye poke on Cerrone. Cerrone grabbed his face, and then Pettis really unloaded on him for like 10 to 15 seconds. And that, I think, was the deciding factor in the fight, which is too bad because... I think Cerrone for sure was the better fighter, and I think that he earned that win. He should have done a little bit more, but, I mean, it's just rough because Pettis, I think, looks a little done, and uh, he did enough to win. So I don't agree with the decision, but the judges gave Anthony Pettis a decision win. So that started things off. Then you had Jorgen DeCastro versus Greg Hardy. This was just another sad fight because DeCastro is leg kicking the crap out of him like I said he would and he's just beating the bag out of Greg Hardy so much of a better striker and it looks like Greg Hardy kind of tries to check a kick DeCastro hits him on the knee and from that moment went like two rounds with DeCastro not throwing anything and he just gave Hardy the win I think he broke his foot it hasn't come out yet but I'm pretty sure he broke his foot and he just didn't do anything. So there goes your undefeated record, and there goes, I mean, you, you should have beat Hardy. So that's rough. Then, oh, man, Jeremy Stevens versus Cater. I mean, listen, this fight was great. Stevens came in super aggressive like I thought. He's hitting him with some good shots. And then Cater just lands this vicious combination with an uppercut, and and and, and he's he's really starting to find his range and then Stevens comes in aggressive again, nails him with an elbow, just rocks his face, and uh, he finishes him. Cater just has superior stand-up. Stevens can make any fight a brawl, and there's no doubt about that. But against a high-level striker like Cater, he just needed to, to just a couple minutes to find his range, and, and he did what he does. That was unbelievable. Then Francis Ngannou. Oh, versus Rosenstruck. Listen, I, I'm i going to play this because this was the best part of Black the entire Rosenstruck night. Rosenstruck 
is in gray. Early inside leg kick is there for Biggie Boy. Oh! Oh! It's over. Rosenstrike is out! And Ganu! Out cold. Out cold. Holy smokes! So Francis Ngannou with his fourth consecutive vicious first round knockout. See, that's what we're talking about. You can't make any mistakes. You can't be there when the punches land. He's too powerful. Joe Rogan said it best there, man. I, this was just, I want to say it was 19 seconds. Listen, when you call out Francis Ngannou, you need to understand something. You're about to get into a big time fight. And listen, I'm not even saying that Rosenstrike's not a great fighter. He was 10-0 for a reason, but... I thought that Ngannou was better at doing what he did better than he was, and I was right. <laughs> it was just, come on, Ngannou is just a massive human, and he put hands on that man, and it was over. What unbelievable. And now I'm hearing rumblings that Daniel Cormier might fight Ngannou, which Cormier would have a chance, and I know a lot of people look at him, and they see he's kind of pudgy, and they're like, oh, Daniel Cormier wouldn't have any chance against him. Of course he would. He could take him down. He Listen. That could happen. So that's an exciting prospect of a fight that could happen. And by the way, Ngannou needs to have that interim title or, or he needs to fight for a title like yesterday. So UFC, get on that. Um, then we had Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. It's unfortunate how this fight ended because I thought that they Cejudo was doing a great job. He was throwing leg kicks. Cruz usually can kind of get out of the way of his opponent, um, but he was having a hard time getting away from Henry Cejudo's leg kicks. And Cruz hit a couple of okay shots, nothing crazy. Cejudo hit a couple of shots, nothing crazy. Then they kind of, their heads collided because Cruz moves so weird. And Cejudo gets busted up, and I think he knew, like, damn, I just got cut. Like, I need to make sure I finish this fight. Not 15 seconds later, the dude throws a crazy knee, hits him. Cejudo puts him down. He starts hammering him, and they call the fight. The only reason I have a problem with them stopping that fight is because there was not a lot of time left. I mean, Cruz was working his way back up to his feet, and I can see it from the referee's perspective because... You obviously, you have to err on the side of caution for the fighter. You got to protect them from themselves sometimes. It's just rough because Cruz, I guess he said in the post fight, he was like, dude, I told the referee, this is a title fight. Unless I'm out, do not call the fight. It's kind of shitty that he did that to him because, I mean, he asked you. So, I mean, that I think all in all, not a great stoppage. I, I get why he did it. I still think Cejudo wins this fight. So that's the only reason I can deal with it. A lot of people are saying the Cruz got robbed. I don't think he got robbed. He wasn't winning that fight anyway. So whatever. But then Cejudo shocks the world. And he, he retires. I think I understand why he did it. I kind of wish he fought Jose Aldo. But he might be using this to get a better contract. I don't know. I think he's done, but you never know. Maybe he wants to go WWE. You just never know with these guys, what, what they're, what they're trying to do, but he kind of somewhat shockingly retires. I get it. He's beat the best of the best. He's held two two division titles. I don't know. 
So we'll see what happens with Cejudo. Congratulations to him, though. He's done a lot more than some people can even dream to do. So good for him. Then Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. Listen, I was not right about this one. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say it right away. Justin Gaethje did things I did not think was possible for him to do. I knew he had power. I knew he was a vicious dude. But he did it for five rounds. That is something I did not think was possible, especially taking the fight on five weeks notice. Dude, I mean, in the first round, I think Ferguson kind of almost got the better of him a little bit. Not by much, though. Gaethje was right there. Second round, Gaethje's pouring it on him. He's really kicking the crap out of his legs and just with a stiff jab, he's nailing him with the left hook. It was there for him all night long. And at the end of the second round, Ferguson drops him with an uppercut that just absolutely rattles him. And I'm saying, I looked over to my buddy Matt and I'm like, dude, like Gaethje had the best round he could have had and he still got dropped at the end. That's going to kill his confidence. And even Ferguson like kind of mumbled to him a little bit like, yeah, mother effer, like I told you. And I think that just motivated him because he brought that up a lot. Gaethje brought that up a lot in the post fight about that he, that he said something to him after he got that knockdown. Most people would look at that and go, crap, like he, he baited me into that. He knew he's better. Like, come on, man. Tony Ferguson hasn't lost a fight since 2012. It's 2020. But Gaethje looked at that like he was scared. And he, and I, he might have been right. Gaethje apparently took that as... He's running his mouth because he knows I just beat the crap out of him. And from that moment on, from the third round to the fourth round to the fifth round, Gaethje hit Ferguson with massive, unbelievable shots. Punches that put lesser men out all day long. Tony Ferguson's an absolute warrior. I don't know how he didn't get knocked out. I don't know how he didn't go down. By the way, Herb Dean did a great job stopping that fight because I know, Ferguson, you want to go down on your sword and all that crap. Listen, man. You've still got shit left in the tank. You're still a great fighter. You don't need to be taking unnecessary damage. You weren't going to win. One thing I will bring up, because <laughs> I have to, those knee punches. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else noticed, but Tony Ferguson was punching the crap out of Justin Gaethje's knees. It didn't seem to affect Gaethje in any way, <laughs> but he was very committed to those knee punches. And... uh it's, I don't know. It's too bad that knee punches weren't the uh, deciding factor in the fight because Ferguson would have won easy. But uh, damn, the knee punches. I don't know what the hell that was all about. But uh, yeah, so Gaethje wins. New champion, new lightweight champion. He throws the belt on the ground. Rogan's like, what, what the heck did you do that for? He said, I want the real one. He said, I want Khabib. Ah. <sighs> I want to believe that this could be a good fight. From what I just saw, Gaethje looked like a, a killer. But we all knew he was a killer on the feet. And Ferguson, if you think about it, Ferguson was training for a guy that was going to take him down. He wasn't training for an elite, top-level striker. I think that hurt him. I think that that was rough for him. I'm not making excuses, and I know he wouldn't make excuses for himself. I'm just looking at it as a fan. And I'm saying to myself, 
Gaethje versus Khabib. I want Gaethje to, to blow doors off of that dude. I want him to destroy him, but I just don't see how he can. I don't think he can stop the takedown. So we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see if Gaethje can... First of all, we need to see if we can get Khabib to actually fight a person. But um, the $100 MMA giveaway, unfortunately, with Francis Ngannou absolutely plastering Rosenstrike, that ended it the night for everybody, and no one won the $100, which I'm sorry. I wanted there to be a winner. So what I'm going to do is the next event that I do is going to be the $200 giveaway. That's right, with my own money because I'm being a great person. $200 giveaway. I'm going to add to the pot. The next contest that I do is going to be worth $200. We're going to get it going, and I can't wait for that. But for now, in order for me to even attempt this, we're going to have to get a word from, from my sponsor, which is me. <laughs> so listen up. We back, baby. Went over the UFC 249 card. Let you know what you need to know. Recapped it. And now we're going to go into a segment of what I've done before, which is the quarterbacks and where they rank. Are y'all ready for this? Because I'm a little fired up. Who has the best quarterbacks in each division? Today, we go over the AFC and NFC, East and South. What quarterback will reign supreme for each team? Listen up and take notes. The quarterback standings are in. <laughs> how did how was my game show voice? <laughs> okay, so we're going to be ranking all these quarterbacks. And I'm going to start with the AFC East. All right? And you're not going to like what I have to say. <laughs> so... We've got, obviously, the Bills, the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Jets. I'm going to go, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm ranking these now. I, I, listen, it's my show, so I can rank these however I want. And I'm going over who I feel has the best situation as well. It's not just one quarterback against one quarterback. You could have a situation like the Dolphins, who have Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they have Tua. Um, and I think that Tua could potentially turn into something really good, so I might rate them higher than certain people that are on this list. But uh, number one, do you want me to start at number one? I'm going to start at number four. I'm going to start at number four and go, go up. So number four, I have the Patriots, mostly because I keep hearing that Stidham might not start and that Hoyer is going to start. I don't like that. I don't want Hoyer to start at all. If you're going to start over, start over. I just don't know what Stidham is. No one really does. He could turn out to be great, and that would be fine, and I would appreciate that egg in my face. That's fine. I want the Patriots to do well. So if Stidham's great, that would be awesome. But at number three, and I know I'm going to catch heat for this, but I'm going with the Jets and Sam Darnold. This is not, will the Jets do better than the Patriots? This is the quarterbacks. Sam Darnold is a pretty good quarterback. I know he saw ghosts last year. I know he didn't look amazing. But if I had to choose between Jarrett Stidham 
or Brian Hoyer and Sam Darnold, and I've got my team, I'm picking Sam Darnold. So he's nothing supremely special, but I think he's pretty good, and I think he's number three on this list. Number two, I have the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick is what he is. Darnold and Stidham could for sure have higher ceilings, but for right now, Fitzpatrick is a starter. He's fine. He, he knows what he's doing. You know what you're going to get from him. He's a gunslinger. He, he'll make mistakes, but he'll also make up with them. So, and then you've got Tua Tungavailoa on the bench, which he could turn into something great, and I think his ceiling is higher than Darnold and higher than Stidham. So I think the Dolphins rank here at two, and I think that's exactly where they need to be. At number one, I have the Bills, Josh Allen. I just think with the weapons that he has at his disposal now with the acquisition of Stefan Diggs, with having John Brown, I just like his situation. I think he's set up for the future, and that's not for me to say that he is a supremely better quarterback than any of these guys, but he can do it on the feet. He's got a big arm. If he can just make a little bit better of some decisions and get coached up a little bit, he stays at one and he is one. Going over to the NFC East now. This is a very interesting one now because, <laughs> you know, my favorite quarterback just went into this. <laughs> so we'll go. We'll start with number four, which is the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins. Now, if Cam Newton, who all of a sudden has said, I don't mind being a backup, goes to the Redskins, they would have bumped up to three. But for right now, they're staying at four because Dwayne Haskins doesn't make the right decisions ever. I, I'm just not high on him. I don't think he's that great. Number three, you got the Giants and Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. I actually like him as a quarterback. He makes decent decisions. He doesn't have a lot of weapons, but from what he has, he makes the most out of it. I actually like Daniel Jones. I think he's really good. And if he had a better supporting cast around him, he might be a little higher on this list. Number two, I have Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton could have brought them down on this, but <laughs> but he didn't. Um, I think Prescott's pretty good. He is catching so much crap. Joe Theismann came out today, and he's like, Dak, you're an idiot for not taking the money. I don't know if that statement's right or wrong. I don't know, because I think I agree that he's not a top-five quarterback, but he is on America's team. He's on the Cowboys. That matters, man. You have to be held to a higher standard when you have that job. And I think he's handled himself pretty well. And I think they need to, the Cowboys need to be careful what they wish for because if they get Dalton and they start going with him, oh, it's not going to be great. So, but I mean, as a backup, Andy Dalton's a good backup. Dak Prescott's pretty good. So they're number two. Number one, Carson Wentz. And keep in mind, they would not be number one. And I like Carson Wentz. I think he is the best quarterback for sure out of all these people, but he can never stay healthy. But the fact that they drafted Jalen Hurts makes them number one. Because now you've got a kid that could have a high ceiling. You've got Carson Wentz, who is definitely the best quarterback out of all these guys. He's definitely number one. But if he gets hurt, you've got the insurance policy, a la Nick Foles. So I like it. I like what the Eagles have there. Keep in mind, this is just quarterbacks because <laughs> I feel like people are going to start hammering me. They already have on the last one. They were hammering me on the teams. Oh, you really think this team's going to do it? No, it's not teams. It's quarterbacks. That's all I'm saying. 
And that is the AFC and NFC East. So just to recap real quick, at uh, number one of the AFC East, we've got Josh Allen and the Bills. Number two, we've got Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins. Number three, we've got Sam Donald and the Jets. And number four, we've got Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer and the Patriots. That's my recap. Could come to eat those words, but that's how I feel. The NFC East. Number four, we've got Dwayne Haskins and the Redskins. Number three, we've got Daniel Jones and the Giants. Number two, we've got Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton, and the Cowboys. And number one, we've got Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, and the Eagles. We're going to the AFC South. That's where we're going, baby. Number four, people will not agree with me, don't care, because it's Ryan Tannehill. I have been doing the opposite of singing his praises. I watch everyone out here, and they're talking, and they think he's so good. Oh, my God, he's not. They made a mistake paying him. Huge mistake. I don't like the player. Did he do well last year? Yes, he had Derrick Henry. This year, the Titans aren't making the playoffs. Everyone has them in the top 10 power rankings. Everyone thinks they're going to be so great. They will not. Mark my big mouth and small words, mark them. The Titans are not making the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill is overrated. He's going to prove that. Number four, I said. Now we go to number three. Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars. That's right. I have Gardner Minshew over Ryan Tannehill. Do you know why? Because he's got a set. I think that he can make the rough decisions and sometimes it's to the detriment of himself. But... Look at the weapons that he doesn't have Derrick Henry. He's got Leonard Fournette sometimes when he's not just completely destroyed. He doesn't even have him anymore. So from what he did with a bunch of no names, I know that if he had a good supporting cast, he would be better and I would take him 10 times out of 10. So he is number three. Number two, I go with the Colts. I had to pause for a second because it's actually kind of hard. I, I don't ever write down who I actually think is number one, two, three, four. I always kind of look at the players and I make my decision. And that right there, the little bit of pause, Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. I like that. I think Brissett's pretty good, but he could definitely stand to sit for a year. I don't think he was ready for the moment. Now he gets to watch. He gets to deal with Phillip Rivers, and I think that's going to help. I think Phillip Rivers is going to be great for the Colts. I have them winning the division this year. Um, I think they're going to do great, and I think Rivers is is an all-time guy. So, And then, obviously, number one is the Texans and Deshaun Watson. They, that they should get be happy for this number one because it's the only time they're going to be number one in anything <laughs> this year. Deshaun Watson's a beast. He's a great quarterback. I think if he was anywhere with any weapons, he's number one on most lists. So there you go. Deshaun Watson and the Texans. We're going now to the NFC South, and this division is probably going to be one of the best or most fun to watch for sure. Number four is pretty obvious. I have Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers just basically for what he has to work with and because He's not shown me a crazy amount. I like that he's a dual threat. I like that he can run with the ball. I like that he can throw on the run. He can throw on the run pretty well. What I don't love is his pocket passer. Like I, As a pocket passer standing in there, he is yet to show me 
Even when he was with the Saints, everyone wants to sing his praises with the Saints. He did all right. He did good with a loaded roster. And he wasn't throwing them more than 15 yards at a time. So you got to take that into consideration too. A lot of screens to Kamara, a lot of short throws. He did his job, but I'm not ready to give him the reins on anything yet. So I'm putting him at number four. Number three, I'm going with Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Tons of weapons. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Matt Ryan's always had weapons, and he's always had the potential to be the guy. But he just, when it comes time to be the guy, he just isn't. It's rough. I like him. I actually like the Falcons this year. I just, when he has to go against two of the guys, I mean, he would have been number two, but Brady went to Tampa. So (laughs) things changed. So number three is Matt Ryan. Now this is, now you're going to have to give me a second. Number two is Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know Brady's not used to being number two at much, but he doesn't have a lot of time to figure out his offense, which I know he's going to do his own thing, but he needs time to, to get with Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Mike Evans. He's got great weapons. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's going to be supremely confident in the position that he's in right away. It's a new everything, new stadium, new fans, new, literally new everything. So that's why I'm putting him at two. Number one, Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, and the Saints. I think the Saints are happy with who they have. They feel like they've got their future in Taysom Hill, and he's a weapon even if he's not a quarterback. He can throw. He can probably tackle someone into oblivion if they want to put him on defense. He can run. I like him. Um, don't love him. Don't love him to replace Breeze myself personally, but they think they have their guy, and I'll take him at their word. Drew Breeze is Drew Breeze. He's in the same system. He is. He knows what he's getting into. He's been doing this forever, so that's why I have Breeze and Taysom Hill. So to recap, the AFC South and the NFC South, you've got Ryan Tannehill at number four with the Titans. At number three, you've got Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars. At number two, you've got Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett and the Colts. And number one, you've got Deshaun Watson and the Texans. NFC South, you've got at number four, Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. At number three, Matt Ryan and the Falcons. At number two, Brady and the Buccaneers. And at number one, Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, and the Saints. That's going to be that. (laughs) I think we did good. I think that worked out. So lastly, a couple of quick notes here. Number one, the NHL announced that they are trying to figure out a way that they, they paused the season a couple months ago, and they're saying that there is hope. There is hope. They're trying to figure out a way that they're going to make the playoffs happen. That's awesome news. Amazing news. The UFC gave everybody a little bit of hope seeing that sporting event. And if we could get some hockey playoffs, I don't care when it happens. I just want it to happen. I don't want this NHL season to not happen after. Come on, man. It's been 100 years. Don't do this. So that's good. Number two, I don't know if anybody watches wrestling anymore, but as a couple of thoughts, the Money in the Bank 
pay-per-view was fantastic. It was fantastic. I know a lot of you don't care, but I'm, I have to talk about it because they did a Money in the Bank match that was absolutely cheesy. It was corny. It was hilarious. It was amazing. Otis wins. Oscar wins. It was shocking. It was hilarious. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I'm not going to give you a whole recap on everything, but I loved the way they did it. They did the two title fights first, which has never happened, and then they had those. It was unbelievable. So good on the WWE for putting out a product that I really liked. And after the Money in the Bank matches, they started part one of the Undertaker's documentary that he's putting in called The Last Ride. I've talked about it a bunch. I'm probably going to be going over it because it is emotional. It is a lot to take in. And before you guys dismiss it, let me just play this. What happened to me? Riddled. People have no idea how much pain he's in physically. What he was willing to sacrifice. Father Tom catches all of us. So when is the time? I sometimes wonder if he knows the end is near, but it's hard to do. Remember who the you are. I think he's in the ring are numbered. I'm gonna go out with a match, the fitting, the undertaker. That's what separates being good and great and being a legend. That's good stuff, man. It's really good stuff. I'm telling you, you've got to give it a chance. The documentary aired part one. There's going to be a five-part series. And, man, seeing what he goes through, seeing what he's chosen to go through over really, like, being that character for this amount of time, and uh, it's really good. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be talking about it, so... I, I think everyone should should check out part one. And that's my last thought. We're definitely going to talk again. Thank you for listening. I put out really quick. I want to say I put out a YouTube. So now you've got YouTube. Big Mouth Small Words Podcast on YouTube. At Big Mouth Small Words Podcast on Instagram. We're doing big things. So keep supporting. I love you guys. And stay safe.